You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. Before we get started with today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that we launched the Compass podcast Patreon page. Patreon is a great site where you can support creators that you're already a fan of by giving a monthly pledge to support the production of their work. It can be as small as a dollar. $5, $10, whatever you can give would be amazingly generous and would be really, really appreciated. You can go to patreon.com slash the compass podcast to check out our page and see my video describing the whole idea. I've always felt strange about doing any sort of fundraising around the compass. That's why I haven't done this for the first two years, but I've had a lot of listeners and friends ask how they can contribute to uh, sustain this project, and I think this will be a good compromise. My long-term goal is to be picked up by a podcast network, but for now, I think this is really going to help expand what this podcast can be as we start the third year of The Compass. So my guest today is Liz Vidal. Liz is an actress, and she's currently in grad school getting her master's in drama therapy. She is an old friend of mine from the University of Evansville. We're in the same class there. And she lives in Seattle now, so we never get to see each other. And I was so happy that we got to Skype uh, to record this. She's someone I've always admired as an artist and as a woman. Her energy is just magnetic. And she's also a new parent. So I was thrilled to hear about what she's thinking these days, how she's feeling. Thank you, Liz. I'm so glad we got to talk. I hope you enjoy the 91st episode of The Compass. and as a person um just because I I was just talking to my therapist today about this which is weird because as I approach my internship in drama therapy for um counseling and recovery Mm -hmm. um and just having had my little baby girl but having been out of school and having my trajectory change um I'm really intimidated about the population I'm working with and being kind of pulled into, I mean, um, hearing those stories every day and having to um, process them and and work with people going through some of the darkest things. Yeah, I think I think for me as a as a person, a student and a, an artist, it's just all about remaining upbeat, which is how I was raised. So it's about constantly reminding myself about how my folks always put a positive light on everything and not to be ashamed of that, despite how much society loves to tell us that the world is a difficult, hard place. Hmm. I have to like keep a motto in my brain that says, you know, go with the light, stay with the fun. There is um, positivity to be seen everywhere, despite the darkness 
Yeah. I mean, that's something that I've always seen in you ever since we were in college together. And it was so obvious whenever your parents would come to visit. <laughs> yeah. Like I could see the direct line from, yeah. from them to you and that they instilled that in you. That's really beautiful. Yeah. But are, are you, so are you finished with school and this internship is after, or is it part of the... It's part of a three-year program, program, and basically it goes uh, two years for clinical mental health counseling with drama therapy, and you usually go right into your third year, but I got pregnant, uh-huh. which I was totally open to and excited about, but instead of finishing right now, a lot of the my cohort will be graduating right now. I'll be graduating a year later. So I took like this huge chunk out of my time when I was pregnant and now I've been taking my maternity leave so it's like a huge intimidating chunk of time to take off from coursework right and artistry because you're not in school like or you're not counseling or you're not working with clients and so it's like a very daunting thing it's like taking a break as a actor Mm-hmm. It's like you take that 10 months to travel and you come back and you don't think you have any chops anymore and you just have to like get back on the horse, Yeah. start auditioning, start going to classes or start coach, going to coaching again. And so with this, once I get thrown in, I'll, I'll get back at it. But the, the darkness that you talk about is like something I think about a lot. And, and going back to that too, I think that's something I always, I like compare what I'm like nervous about with my internship starting as how um, I was afraid of the dark in LA too. And I Mm -hmm. survived it by always trying to do something else. Cause you can get so suffocated by how hard the acting industry is and almost to the point where it changes your whole identity, you know? Right. And And that's that's all you're doing. It can get really narrow really fast. Right, and if you're doing what everybody tells you to do instead of what your your own truth dictates, um, then you'll get swallowed up. And and that's why, technically, at the heart of that this whole thing is that's why I moved out of Los Angeles at the time that I did, hmm. um, because I was afraid of getting swallowed by the darkness. Um, I miss it, but I'm glad I did it. You know. Did you move when you got into school or before that? The main reason why I moved was because when my mother passed, uh-huh. or basically when she got ill with cancer, I went to a pretty depressed place, and I'd never ever sought counseling, and I'd never really felt the need to, and then I just realized that I I was very lost. My dad said, you know, avoid getting lost in the bottle. Um you know, remember who you are and who mom wanted you to be. And then I just felt like, even though I was falling in love with my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, so that worked out. (laughs) um, I definitely, like, didn't care about auditioning. I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't care about being on TV anymore, you know? It didn't seem like it was fulfilling me at all to give a shit about, can I say that? Yeah, go for it. Um, I, I know, um. I just couldn't deal with like the pressures of being an actress, having to look good, having to, while I was going through this huge, you know, loss. Of course. And so when I, so I began my own counseling and that counselor was kind of, it was cool because she was a really young intern as I will be. And she kind of just gave me the power to be like, Hey Liz, like this doesn't fit right now. Like you're not happy. And I didn't, I wasn't able to tell myself that. And so I was like, I got to do something else, something that mom would be proud of, something that, um, you know, it's not about like giving back or, or being generous in that way, or that's a corrupt idea about counseling in general. It's just a matter of like, how can I still be an actress, but also have these other tools so that I can feel like I can go to work every day or I can, you know what I mean? Because there's so much time off when you're an actor that you're sitting there twiddling your thumbs, thinking, thinking, thinking about your, your mom that you miss. Whereas if you're going to grad school or you're, you know, um, pursuing a different career or something attached to acting, then you can get your mind off it. And so 
I started researching programs and that's why I decided to go to drama therapy school and move out of state because they don't have one in LA. Oh, wow. Um, no. And I, yeah, it's really weird. There's only five in North America, which is so weird because it's such a powerful field. And I don't know why they don't teach more actors about it like they do about theater education. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like if you can't act, then teach acting or teach acting to children or, you know. Um, I feel like there's a lot more emphasis put on, like, visual art therapy. Totally. And art I don't know if that's because people feel like it's easier to put, you know, a paintbrush or a pen in someone's hand than to communicate with storytelling. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah, it's like a, we always talk about that because I go to school with a bunch of um, art therapists and there's many more of them and there's very I think New York City is the only place where there's one creative arts therapy license so mm. all the art the art therapists movement therapists et cetera, et cetera, drama therapists came together for one license and in other parts of the country it's like um nobody can really agree to all the terms and so it's like different islands of thought and like it really holds it back because as you said like the power of storytelling and giving people that um outlet is like just as powerful as the amazing different interventions that are in art therapy it's just people don't know what they what it looks like you know yeah um totally. and the piece that I really like about it is it's like I don't know a lot of our uh, close friends are doing really great things like Susie's, uh, Susie Hunt's doing, um, theater education at NYU right now, which I'm really excited about for her. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, like a summer program and, you know, we got together just this last week in Cape Cod and we were just like wrapping out about all the, um, the ways that like we as artists and actors can provide while we're in that downtime. You know, if we have, not just if you have a degree, you can do it all the time. But by getting these degrees, like, we add, like, a little bit to our own dossier of, of tools or, like, a list of things that we are capable of doing ethically mm-hmm. and everything. <laughs> but then also, it's awesome in your downtime to, like, be able to teach other people and collaborate with your peers. Zach Evenson's involved in the drama therapy world, so I'm excited to kind of, you know, not just can we produce a play as, like, theater artists that aren't acting right now, but can we do it in like a therapeutic lens or an educational lens so that we can actually like make change in our communities, you yeah, know? Totally. Yeah. Cause I think everybody just wants to contribute and that is part of like the maddening part of being actors is that there's so much downtime. Right. Right. And you can always produce your own work. I mean, we did that forever with vitality, you know, mm-hmm. um, and had a blast with it, but then it's like, okay, I want to do like a tiny bit more, and I'm hoping this, like, the, the end product is, like, I really want to do, like, a theater by night, like, um, creative arts clinic by day, like cool. a therapeutic, yeah, because I think it's sprouted from go, playing in theaters that were empty all day, except for, like, the occasional kids camp. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. And it's like, what if veterans came in here and had a drama therapist that's in the show at night working with them during the day in this big empty black box theater? And what if somehow we could make it affordable for that creative arts therapist to rent the space so that her population could, you know, things like that. So eventually I want to open a center like that. And um, this is like one way I saw myself like legitimizing professionally in order to make that be able to be happen instead of instead of just being an actor that's like oh I have this this great idea I thought maybe my degree could help me open some doors you know yeah that's so exciting I was gonna ask um like what sort of paths do a lot of the graduates from your program go down like are hospitals and facilities really on the lookout for this kind of therapist and a lot of people work with them or is it a lot of freelancing or starting your own uh center like that I think a lot of um mental health facilities and uh different in and outpatient clinics are open to the idea in select places such as Seattle and New York City right Uh, Boston um 
you know, creative arts therapy is like, as you mentioned before, art therapy as, you know, nationwide, you'll see art therapists being hired, but, you know, drama therapy is still kind of, even in my classrooms, it's like, uh, what's she doing? Uh, that's weird, you know, until they see what it can do, right? you know, and then there's always research and all these things. But I think a lot of, um, graduates are getting really great placement, especially in Seattle. And it's this, like, the place I just got hired is uh, Evergreen Recovery Centers. Okay. And it's, they already have a drama, a drama therapist intern from three years ago, got hired full-time staff. And that's, like, for drama therapists to not be hopping around from place to place is, like, awesome and progress, you know? Well, that'll be really cool to observe. How is, is your internship, like, a semester-long thing? One year. Oh, a whole year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing some hard time. <laughs> <laughs> so you're really good to delve in. Yeah, it's going to be a long time, but it's okay. No, that'll be good, though, to have, like, that environment where you're still under the auspices of being a student, so you can really ask questions and not feel too, too much responsibility. Yeah, totally. Oh, I wanted to ask you about the Vitality Productions before you left L.A. when you were producing. Did you get started with that just out of out of necessity, wanting to do your own work? Well, I I blame Nick Mills. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was his necessity. I see. Um, I was basically, I know it's great when you you can like take credit for your friend's ambition and name it after yourself. Because <laughs> <laughs> Mills moved to New York or to LA after he graduated New York NYU, and you know we're best buds, best friends, and he. He was like, Lucy, we should produce theater. And I was like, well, obviously, like, I've been waiting for you to get out here. And he's like, no, but we should do it, like, hardcore. (laughs) And we did. And we did, like, um, 12 total productions, including, like, films and one-night events. And it just took so much work and so much money that, like, it's one of, I think, the most fulfilling things, like, Nick and I recently talked about it, that Nick and I have ever done, like, artistically. Mm-hmm. And that was when we were babies. That was like, wow, man. It had to have, we had to have started in 2000 and when did you and I graduate? 2005. 05, yeah. Yeah, so it was 07. And so. Yeah, such babies. Or, 10 yeah. years ago. Yeah, or 2010 or something like that. Something crazy. I could look back on it and figure it out. But, um, and we still feel like we did more artistically and like from our gut then than we do now. Hmm. And I think that's part of like just growing up and like getting, getting going with their careers. And Nick and I have families. We got both got married and had children. So it's like, we want to get the gumption and the passion back to do it again, but we live on different coasts and I don't know if I could do it without them, you know, like, um, but you know, there, there's hybrid models of how you could, somehow have another vitality you know it'd be awesome to get like all the evansville friends together and have us do like some sort of evansville treatment on it in different cities but with one yeah. mission you know what i mean that's interesting yeah which is which is what some of the companies already do like you know um slant and, and david and laurie and stuff like that like i don't think they say oh we're a UT clan but i'm just saying like with a lot of passion from you know, colleagues and friends from there. That's what Vitality always was. It was like Nick and I's job to get, uh, make our friends look good from UET and get them agents. <laughs> <laughs> you were, well, you were already the shadow agency, I guess. Right, exactly. I should have gotten 10%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a blast. I miss it. What's the theater scene like in Seattle? Have you had a chance to see many shows or meet people since you moved up there? Um, yeah, the crazy thing is with, I thought with the drama therapy degree, I would be like more, um, um, ushered into the theater world, but you know, it's really not that way. (laughs) It's more like, um, you're told like, keep practicing your instrument, you know, like they don't want the art therapist to put down their paintbrushes, but they have night classes. So it's like, I had to put down my acting paintbrush because I have to go to school. So it's like, how are you supposed to keep up an auditioning career for, and the theater scene here is good, but it's tight knit. And when, 
I wasn't working a ton of regional or have a ton of film and TV credits even. So to come out, I mean, just to say you were a working actress on occasion and have some credits from L.A., you're already looked upon pretty well or to say, oh, I know casting directors from this theater or I've worked with these people. Like people in Seattle are like, oh, cool, here's an open door. Come to the generals or you can come in and you can get cast if you're really good. But if you don't have any availability, you're the same as anybody, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so I was like South uh, Seattle Co- Seattle Repertory Theater and Act Theater. I I would love to work there, but haven't. Mm-hmm. And um, as far as the smaller scene, it's also really good. Like Rob Berquist has a theater out here, but same deal. Like I just I didn't have the availability, and then when I did, I was pregnant. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. um, but the cool thing is, is I did get. Um, there's like five or six agents here. I would say maybe ten or twelve. Like as far as acting agents and I was so hungry to work and I was like oh I'm a little fish in a in a little pond or big fish in a little pond I'm from LA oh I'll be able to you know book work easily up here except for when you're so hungry to work and you're like coming off your mom passing away that you go with the anybody agent that like wants you to pay for headshots and go to actor boot camp and what do they say in New York and LA Leah they None say never that. pay for anything. And we know that in L.A. and New York. But then you're like in Seattle and you're like, oh, maybe it works different here. I'll just do that. And you're like, what an idiot. Nobody, nobody rips anyone off in Seattle. <laughs> I know, right? Everybody's oh, no. so in here. No, I didn't pay for it. I quit them after I booked like a couple like casino extra commercials, uh-huh. <laughs> which broke last. But um, then I did my research and I got, I'm proud to say, and it's changed my whole outlook on my time as I did eventually get rep from like who I deem to be the best Seattle agents who is a topo swope agency. That's awesome. Yeah. And ever since I've been um, booking a buttload of a uh, buttload, I said, that. <laughs> um, I do say that um, I've been lucky enough during my pregnancy to book a ton of voiceover stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And I'd never done it in LA and, um, people always told me to, but it's so competitive in LA and New York that you have to like devote all this other time to that. Right. And up here it's like, there's so much voiceover work because of the tech companies, Oh. Microsoft, Amazon, they all book out of here and they've probably got 200 actors that, you know, you do it from your phone and like, I don't know, Amazon kind of runs the planet. So they pay well and you're like, <laughs> Oh, I'm a working actor again, but I'm, you know, the voice of a robot and it's fine with me. I'm cool with it. Yeah. That's kind of a great way to like keep your toes in it while you're accomplishing all these other things. Yeah. Or when you're just like pregnant and watching like lots of documentaries and crying and stuff. (laughs) That's the reality of it. Like I was so happy that I booked something just so I could be like, Oh my God, this is actually my like real identity. You know, like I could, and the, and the thing I was actually thinking about voiceover the other day as I tried to like justify it to somebody that was like voiceover is not acting and I was like well it is because I I think that I could go in there having never done voiceover because my theater training I didn't like read a manual because I know voiceover itself is an art but at the same time if you need to wing it and you need to just be like oh yeah I can do voiceovers because you need to do this thing for Amazon really fast and make them believe that you can do it, then you just go fall back on your theater training and you're like, oh, I can speak very fast and articulately 40 times in a row in a different way each time and like, bam, I still, <laughs> I still got like a little bit of gumption or like, you know, I still have something to say, you know? Yeah, no, that stuff stays in you. It's not like it disappears. Right. Exactly. Although I, I, I feel like that sometimes. I feel like when I'm in a doubting place, when I'm in a self-doubting place, I can be like, well, what if I just, what if I don't remember yeah. four years of grad school? Or like, what if it just I know. Like went through me and now it's gone? Yeah. But that's well, a and- ridiculous thing to think. Yeah. You have to practice it. Like, I totally think that you can get rusty as heck. No, that's like, true. I- I'm rusty. You know what I mean? Um, as far as, like, my chops are considered, I 
would go in for those big theaters and be like eons behind my colleagues that I look up to our mutual friends in New York City you know and I'm always just like so intimidated whenever I whenever I get like a, a good meaty theater part I always call my you know our buddies and I'm like okay I'm really nervous like I haven't done this in basically years will go by and it's like and they're like they're saying the same thing you and I are talking about they're like it's always in you you just have to work you just have to work it like you have to work your craft like a athlete does yeah in the off season otherwise it does like get super out of shape you know but you can't forget or you can't not believe that it's always in you otherwise there's that darkness and then you wasted your whole life training and <laughs> hoping and loving acting and then you're just like you know yeah your own worst enemy because you're right it's always a part of you it doesn't really go away yeah that, I think that's part of it is this endless cycle of having to talk yourself out of beating yourself up talk yourself out of doubting yourself Mm-hmm. yeah I still do it all the time they only have like the city of Seattle doesn't do tax breaks so there's like four maybe I don't even know what films here like anything mm-hmm. you see on TV that looks like Seattle is usually Vancouver Portland or Spokane and so the main TV shows that they'll send you to are in those cities and it amazes me because I've I've got called back to each one of them each one of them I just kind of like it's like being an undergrad actor at general auditions it's like because my my chops are rustier because I I don't put in enough um, or because I wasn't right for the part, whatever. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll literally go in there to scream like a zombie for Z Nation, not even Walking Dead, literally <laughs> Z Nation. And it'll be like, I don't nail it because I'm still second-guessing myself so much because I'm out of practice. Whereas if you, ju- if you just were to believe in that, like, innate thing that you know is, like, a part of you at all times, then you'd probably nail it, right? Right. Even with a zombie scream, you know? But you can't. <laughs> and also just accept the ridiculousness that, that is screaming like a zombie. Yeah, exactly. As an audition. <laughs> I thought that would be, like, so my thing. You know, I was like, I can't believe I didn't get that. Like, what? <laughs> I thought that that would be a perfect part for me, but... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I really admire that you're taking the time and the patience to invest in your future self like with going back to school thank you um and I know it must be scary but you know you can always once you graduate and you're working this as your you know your money job or your day job but thank goodness is also connected to your art like then you can reassess everything and use the connections you're making now and figure out how you want to structure your life then yeah yeah, exactly. Because I've missed acting so much. And like, sometimes you say to yourself, well, I missed out on this chunk of my late 20s, early 30s. Like, I really missed these essential steps. Or you'll you'll play the Facebook game and you're so, I'm not really, a, you know, because I live in like what's called a second city. It's like, I'm not jealous, but it is a game of like looking at your peers and mm-hmm. being like, oh, man, I love drama therapy, but what if I got in New York, you know, then what could I, what could I be doing? You know, because they're all doing, they're all starting to really nail it or, but that's a silly thing to think. And so I scoot it right out of my head because not everybody's nailing it nor not nailing it. (laughs) Like, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) We're all just on these like, um, different progressions and that that's totally like what we knew going into it when we fell in love with it when we were in sixth grade right like yeah it's not one you don't go from college to college and then keep getting job promotions like it's this continual what one would think exciting path (laughs) but what we get bogged down and I think is thinking the opposite which is that it's a hellacious path full of like giving up at times or or putting it off or like 
and it's not. It's just like you're morphing in and out of different parts of yourself and it, really. Yeah, and the, the fact that you're focusing on these other tools right now is only going to make you stronger on the other side. You're going to have so many more options and so many more skills. and. I and, think so. And it all has to do with your humanity. And so, like, that's what I try to tell myself. It's like, so what if you didn't get to play a lot of ingenues for a couple of years or whatever? Mm-hmm. all of the personal experiences you're having, all of the hard situations, all of the emotions, like they're only contributing to what you understand. That's exactly it. As a person yeah. and the stories that you can tell or the things you can create later. Yeah. Yeah. It makes your work so much deeper. So you recently had your baby. Mm-hmm. Which I'm so excited about. Thank you. What does your husband do? Anthony owns a bar, Houndstooth Public House in Seattle. Okay. Um, and that was, it's really fun and kind of cool because I do not call drama therapy and the bar our second dreams. Mm-hmm. But my husband and I have a similar trajectory because, which helps us understand each other because Anthony was a bass player in LA. Uh-huh. And his career was very similar to mine in LA. He would get signed, the manager would turn into some, it would be some cahoots situation or chaos or something, you know, um, they'd go on a tour, something would happen. Like, he's an incredible bass player, a.k.a. I was a decent actor, or I am. (laughs) But, like, we had, like, these first passions, and then it wasn't like, okay, well, if I'm not a bass player, I'll just buy a bar. It was always like, Anthony was a great bartender, you know, he... We, I, I asked him, um, hey, what do you think about getting out of here for a while and trying something new? This city's kind of getting me down, a.k.a. I'm depressed as hell. I need to escape. And he was, he'd always wanted to try. He's like an all, old rocker, um, an old rock lover. And like, he's not an old rocker, people. He's not like 100 <laughs> or 70. He's 37. But like, you know, he's really into like the alternative scene. So as a guy that, um, played bass in bands in LA in the 2010s. He was like, yeah, hell yeah, I'll go to Seattle over those other weird cities you mentioned. Um, <laughs> yeah, because is there so, still a big music scene in Seattle? Yeah, I mean, he's not currently in a band, but I mean, it's, it's you know, maybe not as amazing as it was back in the grunge era, but there's so much great music here and so much to, such a good vibe. Um just people are progressive in general. So it's like a really cool city where people talk about great things and are super cultured. Plus it's not as, it's getting so expensive, but it's not as expensive as LA. So when we moved here, we were able to buy a bar. And so he was able to kind of do his own grad school or college or whatever. I call it, um, this is grad school because LA bartending was his college. like our <laughs> But like, so he's able to like, really um fulfill one of his dreams too and he's doing a really great job of it he's um created a pretty rad um neighborhood spot we have tons of awesome regulars and pinball it's a sports bar and we actually have a big music night coming up a whole we did not produce it which I'm disappointed about but it is a neighborhood band jam where there's music all day and so awesome yeah so cool stuff like that and you know, we were able to, like, do all the things I never thought we, I would be doing in Los Angeles. Like, we bought a home, and um, we bought a boat. It's broken already. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be mad if I said that, on, and he listens to this. But, um, um, I can cut it out later if you want. No, it's okay. It's so fine. That's, it's, I uh, mean, that's amazing. Those are grown-up things you're doing. And you yeah. just had a kid. Yeah, and it feels good, you know, it was, what I always wanted was to kind of recreate my little party of five, which was my mom and dad and my brothers, and so to have Anthony and Rosalind and my dog, it just is like, I wouldn't give it up for anything, you know, and there's definitely a lot of decisions I could have made that, you know, I could have just told Anthony after we got married, like, I need to finish grad school, you know, let's not even be open to having children until much later, but I just felt like, when things happen, they happen, and um, there's no need to rush 
or to wait, really, you know. Yeah. If you feel like, do I always say jump. That's my thing. If you're, like, <laughs> on the edge of a cliff and you're, like, worried about it, you know, like, ask yourself a couple times and then get tired of asking yourself and just jump, go. That's why you, like, talking to me about your experience and, like, what you're thinking about doing is, like, I'm glad you got the day job because you, you got to make the decision, right? I know. Otherwise, you're, you're just going to sit there and second guess yourself. <laughs> How are you feeling now that she's here? Really, really good. I had a hard time being pregnant, I'll tell you that. Yeah. I just did not. I thought I'd be, like, Earth Mother Gaia and, like... <laughs> like, physically or mentally? Or both? Both. Yeah. Both. And I didn't like either. <laughs> I mean, I loved her immediately, but I hated just, like, how much it slowed me down. And newborns are really hard, as people say. And, like, being a person that likes to do a lot, you have to really slow down, really live in the present. And I always think I'm pretty mindful, but I mean, it really tests your patience as far as like who you are and what you can do. And will this ever, will I ever have freedom again? Not to go out and party, but just to like have your arms free so you can like, you know, and you just, yeah. now the one thing I know that I'm really good at and I know that I was going to be forever was because my mom was so good. I knew I was going to be a good mom. And I'm not saying, oh, I'm, like, the best mom on earth. But we have a lot of fun already. And she's only, like, still a lump, you know. Like, <laughs> we definitely have fun already. And her dad's super fun with her. And, um, you know, all the books and everything say, oh, read to them, make characters up for them. And it's like, well, duh. Like, <laughs> that's what we do all day. She'll probably, like, turn into a cartoon character before she's, like, an adult. <laughs> so, yeah, we're having a blast. And, um we want to travel a lot with her and but it's definitely not as like one of my girlfriends out here like I don't have a lot of mom friends which right. has been really challenging and we don't have um, any family in the state but one of my few mom friends says oh well um we just immersed her in our lives to about their daughter and I this girl has had a really um, active dancing career in Seattle for a long time and I thought I'd be up bringing that baby to different things like right away and it's just the opposite it's like I'm immersed into her world and I just have to be okay with that you know and when internship starts there'll be a lot of um tears because of that mm -hmm. which I'm very grateful for it won't be like I've already been leaving her a ton. It'll be like a separation anxiety or a, a cutting of the cord, you know, as they say. But I think it's good for creative artists to do that or for career-minded people to do that with their children. Or, you know, you can make it work, but eventually you have to, like, kind of give them to the village and just trust that, you know. Yeah. I'm not going to be a good Liz or a good mother if I don't put myself into drama therapy and acting again I won't be happy and so Rosalind won't be happy you know well and something that you've always been very good at is creating a really wonderful strong village at least that's what I've always seen like you you hold your family and your friends very closely yeah thanks so. Leah I, I I really try to and sometimes I wonder if it's at like I've been meaning to write this book for 15 years. Sometimes I think when the village, like I put the village before me, the book never gets done. <laughs> what kind of book? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's a women's series based on my own journals. It's a young women's series for young women. Fiction or nonfiction? Ooh, girl, we're going to have to mm, save that. But thin. I will say this. <laughs> thin line? Names may have to be changed to protect the innocent. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to write this book, this series. I know, everybody does. Mills is like, come on. My husband's like, come on. And I'm like, I will have to not talk to you guys for a long time. I will have to be introspective and not throw any parties or hold any get-togethers. And they'll be like, and you guys' lives will be much. No, I'm just kidding. I was going to say much more boring. You can't be camp director and, and isolate yourself and, and write. And poet that sits in the back. Write no, a hit series. Exactly. But that's what I want to find. I do want to find that balance and like yeah. Ooh. I want to write that. You, so, should, yeah. you should take some notes while you're while you're indoors these days with the baby. 
Yeah. Well, I thought, oh, maternity leave. Oh, pregnancy will be perfect time to read my, <laughs> write my book. And that's like, wait, what? No. Are there any um, really practical things that have been helping you get through this intense period? Like ways that you've kind of structured your day-to-day life or getting outside Um, or exercise or stuff like that? Yes. I think that my favorite thing to do, well, I have a dog that I love a lot. And I was very depressed because I could never hike him the way I wanted to. I mean, I worked out till I was pretty pregnant, but it wasn't, it's not up to par. And then my healing process, that's way worse than people say. I know (laughs) everybody listens to this podcast that had a baby. Like, I don't know. um, I could name a bunch of girlfriends that I recently saw. All my New Yorkers have kids now. So it's like, or so many of them do. So I know I'm preaching to some of the choir, but like, that healing process is so much worse than people make it out to be. I feel like people just don't talk about it. They don't talk about it. It's like American society is just like so weird about it all. It's like the baby's but, here. Everything's great. Everything's fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, no, in different cultures, the healing process is 40 days, 40 nights. In, the, in certain Latin cultures, in certain Chinese cultures, it's like observed like that the female is sacred and needs to be like listened to and things need to be slow around her anyway my practical advice is go like go slow and like to know that even the little things you're doing are like good enough because I was judgmental of myself at first oh I'm not hiking the dog enough the dog loves me anyways you know or like go out to lunch or I don't know you just feel like so pushed by who you've been and who you think America expects you to be Hmm. or the world expects you to be. And it's just garbage. A couple wise friends told me that to slow down and just kind of heal, but it's hard when you're like sitting there wanting to regain some sense of yourself and you, um, you're terrified, like, especially as a first-time mom, you just have no experience, and I think you have to lean on your spouse, and you have to ask for things directly, or your partner, and and ask your village, just be like, hey, I'm not gonna just, like, you know, wade in the water, I'm gonna ask you directly, or tell you directly, this is what I need, because people say you can, uh, People say that they're going to, you know, be there in, in, in any way you want, but unless you're, like, very mindful and direct about it, people are going to, like, not be able to give you that yeah. needed, that much. Everybody's like, oh, you need to rest. Let me take the baby while you take a nap. And I'm like, no, what I really need is you to talk to me and to listen to me and just sit next to me with my baby. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I I wasn't tired for three months. Like, I have a lot of energy. So I never felt tired until, like, this last month. And everybody's like, oh, have you gotten enough rest? And I'm like, yeah, I got enough rest, but I'm lonely. Yeah. You know? that's That was a big thing for me. So I think just reaching out to people and saying, hey, I need companionship, um... And I think that has something to do with my mom being gone and my brothers and my father being far away because they're my best friends. But yeah, as well as all you guys in different cities, L.A., New York, Chicago, I've got amazing friends here, but they're newer friends. And so I've definitely been able to lean on a couple of my girls here, but it took some time to be like, hey, I need you guys, you know? Yeah. You can't raise a baby on your own. Um, I give... I don't know how some people do it in much more desperate situations than my own, you know, this is very hard. No, and I mean, that's, that's good advice anytime you're feeling isolated, but obviously, especially when you're recovering from creating a human. (laughs) Right, exactly. Well, and you don't want to, um, I think a lot of, I did not have postpartum depression, but they, you know, call it the baby blues. And it's a lot of times comes from like, not only are your hormones out of whack, but your identity's out of whack and you don't want that to mix with feelings of guilt. Like 
if you can't identify with the sadness that's natural, then you might blame that little baby. And that's when it kind of, I never did, but it's natural even if you do. And people don't, people shame that in our culture to feel negativity or to, um, um, to feel that, to feel like to even admit, Oh, I didn't like being pregnant. Like a lot of people would feel like that's like, Whoa, did you just say that? Like, yeah, people complain about it, but to say I actually didn't love the experience is like pretty intense, (laughs) but I just own it because otherwise I'm going to forget. I'm still going to have more kids. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't that terrible, but I just like to try to be honest with my friends about it, especially. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Other people love it, and I think that's great for them. <laughs> to each their own. To each yeah, their exactly. Own. <laughs> every baby's different, and every, every uh, mom and dad and um. No, you, don't, you have no idea how your body is going to react either. Right, right. You have no idea until you're there. Yeah. And it's totally different, I heard, when you have, like, another kid. It's totally different when you have friends that have children, you know what I mean? How does your family react to your choice to be an artist as your career? I think right now, um, my family doesn't think that I am pursuing being an artist. Mm -hmm. I think that, like, people think I'm taking time off or that I've, you know, changed my career. I think my artist friends get it a little bit more because we're so used to like what you and I were talking about earlier is like morphing, taking different roles um, that are connected to taking day jobs so that you can um, make the other parts of your life like full. But I think sometimes um, people that aren't in the industries or in the arts don't understand how it's like a lifelong, even when you're not acting, um, when you're not creating, you are, an actor and you are uh, an artist whereas if you're an accountant maybe you're not an accountant when you go home at night I don't know how they feel about that but um, my family's always been supportive of me being an artist but I think people think that oh you know Lizzie's going to be a counselor now Hmm. my immediate family understands it that it's um, an extension of myself and my artistry but um, that's just hard to explain to other people. You know, yeah. I've heard sometimes I would get down because people will, I would hear, hear around the block, oh, Liz gave up. Hmm. Oh, Lizzie gave up on Hollywood or, you know, and it's like, that's pretty hard to hear. I've heard other, you know, I've heard people say that about other friends of mine. And I always remind like people when they say that, hey, just because they decided to be a teacher doesn't mean they gave up. They're just like a different extension of themselves. Who knows? Maybe they'll like get back into it at 40 and really, haha, show us up, you know, and like <laughs> prove you wrong. Like I always think about Kathy Bates or whatever. Like wasn't she 40 or something when she was like in her first big role? You know, there's all these stories and you yeah. just have to remember it's like, and I think my, my immediately family's like very excited that I'm not for sure not done, you know? But not, none of them are um, in creative fields, are they? Um, no. Corporate executive, uh, carpenter, social worker, and my little brother is actually in counseling school as well. Um, he decided to move to Los Angeles after being a firefighter to pursue a degree at the sister school of mine, Antioch. Okay. But my little brother, Steve, was also pursuing... Um, mixed martial arts and is really like blossomed as this fighter slash trainer and so he's kind of redesigning his own self based on passions he found over the years and so we're we're both kind of just like mixing it up going to grad school at this you know juncture in our life so we kind of reflect each other a lot which is super helpful because he sees it he doesn't know exactly what he wants to do with his counseling degree but it's definitely not going to be a, like a standard yeah. nine to five. A traditional and, route. Yeah, exactly. And oh, that's so, really cool that you're kind of sharing that experience a little bit. Yeah, it's rad. And I'm really proud of him. His, his fighting's really remarkable. And um, yeah, and my dad's amazing. He's all, like, he supports us no matter what we do. 
only he get you know he gets confused sometimes. Well, what are you gonna do with that, Lizzie? And it's like, well, uh, wait, wait, wait and find out together. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, yeah. yeah, I was blessed with a family that always kind of let each other, um, be free to do what we wanted. So, yeah, that's that's a great part of my family. I don't know if I ever told you this. Did I ever tell you that I started the vagina monologues at Juilliard after no. we did it at Evansville? <gasps> I didn't know that. How many years did you do it? Uh, three years when I was there. And it, they had never Good done it. You. They had never done it before, but I did it because you started it with us at Evansville. Oh, Leah, that's awesome. And I that's, did not know that. I, I just remember it was such a powerful experience for me at Evansville when you decided to start that and I didn't know about Eve Ensler and all the work she had been doing and it kind of made this, you know, this broader awareness of mine about feminist issues and women's issues and like the community that you formed for us to put those on. And I remember oh. your, I remember your mom coming down for those workshops that you led. Oh my um, God. <laughs> and how beautiful. Yeah, she sure did. Your relationship was and, um, and how empowering it was for all of us to do that project together. And so my second year at Juilliard, a friend of mine and I started it. And I, I don't know if they're still doing it in the same form now, but they did it for a number of years after I left. Good for you. That's awesome um, that you started it at Juilliard. That makes me, like, so happy. <laughs> um, and that you brought up my mom coming down to the workshops because I didn't remember that she came to those. I think I have some <laughs> pictures somewhere. I'll send them to you. Oh, that'd be... Of her? Of, of, of... Yeah, I think so. Of her <gasps> there. Have, oh, if you have those, I'd love those, because, you know... Oh, yeah. My favorite people talk about my mom. Like, I, whenever anybody brings up my mom, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. People always think, ooh, sorry subject. And I'm like, no, no, no. The more you talk about it, the happier I am, you know, because... Um, and I don't think I... I remember coming to shows, of course. Everybody came to the shows, but... Yeah, that was a awesome time and of course Lizzie Jenkins and Sue Land were always like Sue Land Ching were the ones that also wanted to like get that started so I have to give them some credit for that um but then I also I was gonna say the proudest thing I did in grad school was I I decided to do Eve's sister show which is a memory and monologue a rant and a prayer which oh, is did. like yeah I did it at Antioch last year and um it was my, it was, I mean, good Lord, doing something like you producing that at, during Juilliard grad school and then me doing a show at Antioch was like, that's a lot of work. Undergrad was one thing. I mean, we had some downtime at Evansville. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's a good thing we did that show. Like, I don't think I was cast that quarter, but, um, but yeah, doing that show in grad school is rad and, and just remembering that I produced here makes me I'm glad you brought that up because I never ever give um all my colleagues were like really into it too like the drama therapists aren't necessarily actors a lot of them are like did theater in high school mm -hmm. and have like and are really creative people but they're not actors and they were amazing and then the art therapists all did like a gallery show and yeah the, those were incredible times we did in Evansville vagina monologues I forgot those some of those memories I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, Eve Ensler does incredible things with her work and her writing to create community. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was different from just producing a linear play. Totally. Like, that really was, you know, we raised a lot of money. Mm -hmm. We created a lot of community. Yeah. And, yeah, it was just interesting. It really gave this female voice that hadn't really been amplified on campus before. I hadn't seen it amplified. Yeah. That That's so, so sweet that you remember that. Obviously you remember it, but that you brought it up. I don't know. You were, you were really a leader on that. So I just thought I'd mention it. Thanks Leah. My, um, my new favorite idol is, um, a woman that does what Eve does, but like not in quite the huge spotlight. I don't, I don't know um, when exactly I was introduced to her, but her name is um, Zaina Dekeshe, and she's a 
I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but she's actually does, uh, she's Lebanese and she did this show based on, um, uh, 12 Angry Jurors, you know, that play. Yeah. 12 Angry Men. Yeah. Basically she did this really inspiring piece, um, with prisoners over there. She's a drama therapist. And so with that lens, she's able to do a couple more things from a counselor perspective I'm not exactly sure, like, the ethical differences or, like, what Eve Ensler does in her interviewing that, or or something, like, um, that would be different from what Zaina does to what um, Vagina Monologues or, like, say, Laramie Project did. But if you watch the doc- – there's a documentary on this show that shows how intense the the work that Zaina does with them. Basically, she's in the prison with them for a year. Oh, wow. Not living as a prisoner, but, like, doing intensive work with them about around their healing process. Not to say that, like, the women that interviewed for Eve weren't getting healing out of it, or the ladies especially that were interviewed for that show we were in Necessary Targets together. Mm-hmm. Because, obviously, any type of creative process is going to be healing. But you should check that um, documentary out. Because that's, like, a little extension I like about drama therapy is, like, I feel like in the process you can go just a tiny, tiny bit deeper than you would regularly if you were just doing, like, an interview device theater piece, if that makes any sense. Yeah, you're I'll do- definitely check it out. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to ask, is there, like, a lesson you've learned in the last couple of years that you're really proud of that you want to tell me about? Oh, my gosh, Leah, your questions are beautiful, but they're hard. <laughs> It doesn't have um, to be like a huge thing, but if or if there's some little way that you feel like you've changed your thinking or changed the way you're approaching your life, that you're like, oh, I wish I had done that years ago. I think one of the the greatest lessons I've learned. Oh man, this is a hard one because I have a couple things on the tip of my tongue, but I'm not gonna say them eloquently. I think the greatest one that I have. <clears throat> The thing that comes to my mind first is that no matter how much you lose, if you look around and you're loved, then you better not take that for granted. And I take it for granted every day, no matter how much I I love everybody and try to treat them with kindness and respect. Like you get into those day-to-day squabbles with um, family or friends or, or spouses or, or you get frustrated with traffic or somebody at school or at work or whatever, but I think one thing I really try to do is to live lovingly a little bit more every day because even if, and I do try to be authentic, but I think I try to put energy out into the world these days that just says, hey, I I, I like who you are. I, I forgive you for what you do. Um, because I'm obviously a wreck many times. <laughs> and, and the reason why I bring this up is not only because I think I've, I've settled down as far as my feistiness about um, wrongdoings in society. I think we all need to be a little bit kinder. And that, mm-hmm. and that goes for everything going on in the world. It's like if you can't check your own bias at the door or if you can even acknowledge your own, and, and you even begin to think that you are 100% kind, you can never teach anybody a lesson in, in, in loving if you're not loving yourself. Um, meaning, if you're not loving other people, you know? You could say, my idea is right, I believe in this, it's the open way to be, but I just see so many people hating when they say that that they're supposed to be the lovers. Yeah, That makes no sense to me. And the other thing I think is that the people that you love the most, you have to try to show every day how much you love them. Even if you mess up with them sometimes and the greatest, you know, um, the person I think about the most is like my husband and I have like been through everything so much and fell in love when like my life was at its worst. And like I learn every day and try to teach myself and, especially now because we're parents, like, how, how can I love you more? You know? And, Mm. and I believe that Anthony loves me more every day, even when we have hard days. And so that's something I'm really grateful for because I lost my mom 
I try to love my closest people more every day. At least if you can't, like, even, at least if the world doesn't mean loving to it, itself or to others, you can love your small little circle. And hopefully that reflects back onto the world, right? Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Wow. So I mean, good it makes me that. happy. <laughs> um, and try and have fun. I think people need to have more fun these days. I'm, I'm up for it. <laughs> oh my gosh I've always loved back porches and beers but now I'm like wow if I could just sit out on my porch and just chill after yeah. like spending the whole day with my baby I'm like wow life is pretty awesome I need, like, <laughs> I need to like be grateful for this and just smile at people and just be positive and like Aww. you started the interview off with darkness and now I'm talking about the light and that's my job it's like Life is dark, but, like, we can all be a little lighter, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I got home from work today, and it was actually worked out since you couldn't record until later, and Frankie and I went for a long walk over to the water, and the sun was setting, and, like... Nice. We were just loving on our neighborhood. There was all these surprising little things going on everywhere. Yeah, That's what it's it all great. about. It yeah. Great. And you have to, like, that has to be worth it, you know? Mm -hmm. It has to. Because there's too much other stuff that's too hard, you know? Yeah. I kept you up late, girl. <sighs> Two more short questions, and then we yeah. will say goodnight, only because I have to get up early. Um, oh, no, no. Are there any concrete things that you turn to again and again if you're feeling uninspired or a little lost, like a book or music or something like that? Yeah, I call my brother Steve. Nice. Yeah, he's my go-to for inspiration. He's, like, the most disciplined person on the planet. <laughs> and he's inspiring and he's understanding. So, yeah, I reach out to both my brothers, my sister-in-law, and my dad's good for a laugh. So I do reach out to other people. And then as far as um, things I do for myself, I do pray um, to a higher ground or to my mother a little bit. I wish I did it more, but that mm -hmm. definitely centers me. And then again, just like spending time in nature with my dog, like really makes me really happy. He's like my first child. So just his little presence makes me really grounded. Oh my God. And the nature out in Seattle must be gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. We have a beautiful backyard that leads to a Creek. And so we can, yeah. And then, of, and then you said music and like always music, just, I'll just dance and, go crazy but it's not like a practice or anything I just do yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> outlet yeah uh and then I don't know if you have anything for this last one um since you've been so busy with the baby but if is there anything of any art form that you want to recommend that you've seen recently you mentioned that documentary yes um Oh, there's so much beautiful stuff. Nick Mills in 1984. Can I say that? Yes. You got to I see got it. I got to see it That's last right. week. I was so stoked. I came all the way to Manhattan just to see my best friend on Broadway. Um, he was really great in that. Lori and I saw it. Oh, my gosh. Other than that turtleneck they put him in. <laughs> <laughs> period um, piece. Period piece. Oh, my God. I love that turtleneck. I love him in that. Um, no, Mills killed it in that. And then, of course, like, I watch a lot of beautiful documentaries and listen to a lot of really great music um but nothing nothing that's just like knocking me over the head right now as far as like total inspiration that's okay no we just say end Nick, it on Nick, 1984 yeah exactly do that and end my whole thing right there just be like nick mills in 1984 best friend promo <laughs> he's gonna wait love it. i would have to think about that Leah. he's gonna love it i know oh my god he's gonna love this podcast because he's gonna be like me 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 <laughs> liz thank you so much this was awesome babe i love you can i come back and talk to you later more about you yeah
Thank you for listening to the Compass Podcast. I'm Leah Walsh. More episodes are coming soon. Please look for us on Facebook and iTunes. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller. Music by Brendan Spieth. Audio assistance from Nick Choksi. And a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.